We all ask questions. Are eyebrows considered facial hair? If a number two pencil is so popular, why is it still number two? When cheese gets its picture taken, what does it say? I've always wondered, do vegetarians eat animal crackers? But some questions are more meaningful than others. The Bible seems confusing at times. How can I understand the Bible? Are we living in the end time? And if so, what does that mean to me? I've always wondered what people mean when they talk about spiritual warfare. How do I handle difficult people? Because I know some difficult people. So we turn to the one who has all the answers. We'll examine some of our biggest questions and discover God's best plan. Why? Because you asked for it. Awesome. Well, welcome this morning. We're so glad that you're here. We're in a new series called You Asked For It. And what this is about is, is this is... On Easter, we did a survey, and we said, hey, if you could hear a message about any topic, what would it be? So we took the, fir- the top four topics, and we're just going to give you a message series all about those topics. And I've really enjoyed uh, getting this together and preparing for this. And I uh, want to let you know a little bit about where we're going um, in the weeks to come to get you a little idea of what kind of things you asked for. Um, one of the things that you asked for was, and we're going to talk about it next week, is help me understand the Bible. <laughs> and and uh, this was... Uh, something interesting to me, but it kind of makes sense too because we come to church and and uh, then we go home. We kind of open up our Bible. And we're like, okay, I don't really get it. You know, I don't really know where to start. I don't know how to. I don't understand the these and the thous and the thou sayest and all these things about the Bible. So so next week we're gonna really just delve into what the Bible is all about and hopefully give you a, the most practical principle that really changed my life about ten years ago. And I'd love to share it with you. The week after that, on the tenth, we're gonna be doing with dealing with difficult people. So anybody know some difficult people? Yeah, this is your chance to get them to come to church with you because I'm going to talk all about them uh, on that day. And then uh, also on the 10th, we're going to be doing small groups. And then on the 17th, we're going to be talking. This, was, this, is, this is something that was really interesting to me. One of your top four was the question, what is spiritual warfare? So, so that's going to be a great, great day uh, as we kind of look at what spiritual warfare is all about. And then uh, we're excited the next week. Um, we, we, we launched um, as a church two years ago on September the 20th. And so the kind of the nearest date to um, the Sunday after this series, we're going to be celebrating on the 24th our second birthday as a church. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> So we'll have, we'll have all kinds of, we'll, we'll, so we got two really big deals happening this month. We have small group launching, and, uh, and then we have our second birthday. We're going to be celebrating that. We'll have all kinds of fun festivities uh, on that day. And then one of my most, my, my favorite series that we do all year long, we're going to start on October 1st and simply call this At the Movies. We've done this every year, and, uh, and it, is, it just keeps getting better. And it is, I'll just say, it's some of the most powerful Sundays that we have all year. It's just the truth. Um, you'd think, oh, at the movies, it's just going to be, you know, gospel light, and it's not. It is, it is powerful. Uh, we always have a record number of people give their lives to Jesus during at the movies, and there is no better time all year long to invite somebody to come to church. It's just people are like, at the, what are you talking about at the movies? So, so it's great, and I just want to, we'll, as we'll get some invitations over the next few weeks that you can start passing that out, but I just want to give you a little overview of kind of where we're going and what's going on with the series. But today, we're dealing with the most talked about and asked question at church are you ready for it here's what it is how do I handle the stress in my life that was the first how so we got some stressed out people here at this church (laughs) 
We got some stressed out folks up in here. How do I handle the stress in my life? How many knows what I'm talking about when I talk about some stress? Yes. How do I deal with some stress? Just to stress you out a little more, I found some stress statistics that 44% of Americans say they have more stress than they did five years ago. The church said amen. Uh, One out of five have extreme stress. I don't know if that's like a sport these days, like extreme sports. Extreme stress, which means you have physical symptoms of shaking, heart racing, blood pressure rising, and not sleeping good, etc. And then then here's another one. 60% of all illnesses and diseases are stress-related, are stress-related. So, so what do we do with the stress in our life? We, I, I think we have, our culture is more stressed out than ever before. Uh, and so I just titled this message today, Stressed and Highly Favored. Because I, th- I, grew, I grew up hearing people say, well, how are you doing? And hear Christians say, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You ever heard someone say that before? Well, I just want to get honest today. And say, you know, sometimes if we'd be honest, we wouldn't say we're blessed. We'd say, you know what, I'm, I feel a little stressed. But, but I still know God loves me. But, but help me out with this because I'm really stressed out right now. So we're, we're going to have fun today. But also I really am going to share some principles from God's word. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I, I, I value those. We have, um, we, have those of, we have people in our church that that's their profession. They help people. And I'm not a professional counselor by any means. I'm just a pastor. And, and I'm going to give you the word of God today. And, uh, and, and, and I, I really think God gives us something that, is, that has the power to change everything. But I'm, I, my prayer is that he would just speak to our hearts today. So could you pray with me? Let's just ask God to speak in this place more than what I could say. So I say, Lord, thank you for meeting us in this place. And God, we're dealing with something that, that we all struggle with. It seems like it's just an epidemic in our society right now. So Father, I pray that you would speak to us Lord, what you spoke in the very beginning. Or something that you thought was so important. God, speak your principles to us. Lord, it would get so applicable to us even today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody said amen. Here's the truth that I want to start out with today. It's simply this. God never promised a stress-free life. That's in your notes. God never promised a stress-free life. Some people think when it comes to serving God that serving God means having no stress. Like, God must not be with me because I'm having a bad day, or, man, work is getting hard, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some, some customers that are giving me trouble, or, you know, my marriage is hard. Some people say, you know what, you know, God just brought another person into my life, uh, but just, there's just no stress. At home, there's my wife and my kids, it's stress, but this other new person, no stress whatsoever. You know, we think, oh, God, well, we, I should never be stressed. I want to tell you, anything in life that's of value is going to have stress involved with it you know Jesus had stress he sweat like great drops of blood the disciples had stress great men and women of the Bible did not run to stress-free hammock lives they, 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 they ran to the fight that's why they inspire us and Jesus never promises watch what Jesus said in John 16 he said I've told you these things that in me you have, will have peace and here's a promise of the Bible that's probably not on your refrigerator in this world you will have what? trouble everybody Jesus promised that we're going to have trouble but he says but take heart I have overcome the world so in other words you can be in trouble in the middle of trouble, but not trouble inside of you. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about. How can you live in the middle of a troubled world, but trouble not be on the inside of you? Because everything significant in life is, has stress involved. There's, gonna be, there's always going to be stress on the path to purpose. 
Think about it. Everything God calls you to do, there's going to be stress involved in it. If you're going to have a great marriage, stress. If you're going to have a career that, that honors God and that, that, that is able to bless other people, and if you're going to start a business that's able to bless our city and bless and hire employees, it's going to be stressful, everybody. Everything's going to have some stress. If you have a family, stress. You're going to have some friends, it's going to be some stress, right? You ever had some stressful relationships? We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. If you're going to have a job, it's going to have some stress involved. And I, if I could add this to it, if you have no job, stress, right? Job, no job, stress is part of life. Traffic, stress. Everybody who has to drive on 40 knows that about 4 p.m. Uh, home, if you have a home, it's stress involved. AC going out. Everything going out. I don't know if you, your house gets that anointing like mine does. It just decides to all quit at once, you know. Just stress involved in that vehicle. You got stress. Bills to pay. You have stress. That they're, they're just stress on our path to purpose. And when we talk about stress, I just wanted to take this front part and say, man, it's God's will for you to, to have all of these things and embrace it and embrace the stress involved in parenting. Embrace the stress involved in your job. Just because it's hard does not mean it's not what God's calling you to do. Because God put you on here to make a difference. God put you on this planet so that you could... You're here, he's a creative God, so he put, a cre, he put his creativity in you. And you're called to make this world better. And, and, and to do that, to live the dream that he put in you, it's going to take some stress. And there's some stress involved with it. So some people, especially as Christians, they just think, well, I'm just going to kind of float through. And, you know, I'm not, you know, and if anything that's difficult or hard, you know, it must not be God. And I'm supposed to just kind of live on a cloud somewhere with a harp, you know. And a, you know no, no, but I just want to simply say that, 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 that if you're going to get a good education, if you're going to finish top of your class, if you're going to be what Jesus said, a light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, if you're going to be that kind of person, it's going to take your life embracing some stress along the way. But then there's another kind of stress in our culture that I think is nothing about the, the calling and destiny of God. It's just about we live in a culture that just keeps demanding more of us. And here's some of the things we get stressed out that are, I believe, not God's will or God's purpose while we get stressed out is I think we have too many choices, we just live in a culture, too many choices. Life was a lot easier when there were three channels on the TV, right? Instead of 300,000 channels. And now you got internet television. It's like, what do I watch? I don't know. You're just, we have so many choices. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? We just live in this society full of choices. We also have uh, so much social pressure today, especially with social media and, and the internet. And we just, we constantly are, are, are pressured, not just about our lives, but what everybody else thinks about us and, and what the culture thinks and what the house that person lives in and cars they drive and the time, the, how much they work or how much they don't work. Or We just continually feel social pressure. What I've learned is that God loves you and everybody has a plan for your life. It's one of the principles I've learned along the way. God loves you and everybody has a plan for your life. And then I've also learned saying yes to God's plan many times means saying no to other people's plan for your life. Here's the third thing. We believe that we can have it all. And if I could add something to that, I would say now. We believe we can have it all right now. We think we can have things that it's taken other people lifetimes to be able to accumulate. And we just think we can have it all. That's why the average American is spending about 117% of their income. So I'm not a mathematician up here, but I don't think that's, that can last that long. We think we can have it all. And then also we think we can do it all. We think we can do it all. 
that, that, that we just think, man, I, I, can, I can do it all, I can be it all, I can have it all. And the, and the reality is, is simply this, it just doesn't fit. That I, I think sometimes the stress in our life, it, we're trying to fit all this stuff from our culture in, and we try to fix it with this time management. And, and, and what I've learned is that some of the people that are the most uh, time management conscious people are some of the most stressed out people I've ever met. Because, because we're taking too much and we're trying to cram it into something that's never going to fit into our lives. And what I've learned is that it's, 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 at times it's better to have less of the things that don't matter to have more of the things that do matter. That, that at times it's, 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 it's better to have less of other people's approval or, or less, you know, just going everywhere, having it all, doing it all, being it all doing whatever, living the life that everyone else wants you to live, sometimes it's better to have less of that and more of the things that matter. There's this verse, and I, I, I about just made this whole message about this. It's better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Man, it's powerful. In other words, that, 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 and when we're grasping at the things of life, never get both hands full of this world. Only get one handful and, and it makes sense. You say, well, wouldn't you think if one is good, two is better? You know, like one Krispy Kreme donut is good, two is better, right? <laughs> one car is good, two cars, better, right? Uh, what about one kid is good, two kids are... <laughs> one wife is good, two wives are... Wrong, everybody. That's, that's... But the reality is when you have one hand... Why is, uh, why is one handful better? Because you got one hand open. You can help someone whenever you have a handful. You can receive when you have one handful. You can give when you have one handful. But as long as you have both, you can't do any of that. So I want to give you a principle today that, that, that I believe is, is God's answer to both of these kind of stresses. The stresses that come from following our purpose with passion, giving our whole life to our calling, and also the stress that's related just with this culture that we live in that we need less of and, and more of God. And it's simply this. God has a plan for our stress. And simply this, the Sabbath. The Sabbath. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. The Sabbath. This is God's plan, I believe, for both stresses in our lives. And this is something that's so powerful from the very beginning of creation. We're going to look at it in a few scriptures here this morning. But from the very beginning of creation, there were seven days that God created the world in. And the first six, he spoke into existence the things that were. He, he, he created man. He breathed the breath of life into man. But on the seventh day, the Bible says that God rested. And the thing that's so powerful that, that I really think this principle has the power to change your life because this is a principle from the beginning of time. This is a principle that God put in the very beginning. I've just been just amazed by that this week. That this isn't just something God threw in to do. This is something that was from the very foundation. Could it be that he knew that our biggest need and question might be how do we deal with the stress? Could it be that we serve a God that loves us that much that he wants to give us something to be able to deal with the things that we're facing in our world and our culture and our path to purpose and all these things. And it's called the Sabbath. And it was simply this, that every seven days, that seventh day, would be a day dedicated to God. 
a day of rest, a day of refreshing, dedicated to God. And I just want to talk a little bit about what it was from some different passages about the Sabbath. This is from Exodus chapter 16, whenever the Israelites were on the journey um, from Egypt to the promised land, and God started giving them manna from heaven. And this was this supernatural food that would kind of fall on the ground, and their job every day was to go out and collect it. So, so this was their work to be able to eat. And watch this. Each morning, everyone gathered the manna, or their food, as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. And on the sixth day, watch what they did. They gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported it to Moses. He says, tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So watch this. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, but save whatever is left and keep it until the morning. So they saved it until the morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, and it did not get maggots in it. So every day, they only were able to get enough for that day, except for the sixth day, they got enough for two days, and it was, a miracle happened. And on that seventh day, where every other day it would go bad, on that seventh day, God preserved the manna, and it didn't stink, it didn't get maggots in it. And he says, eat it today, Moses says, because today is a Sabbath day to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. I also want to draw your attention to this, that there was no provision on the seventh day. There was only provision for six days. It says, you will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. But what happened? They found none. So there were people that said, I'm going to go anyway. I don't believe that God, you know, is, that this is the real deal. I don't believe that, that, that this is, you know, what's going on. But, but they went out and they found none. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments, my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. So God gives this gift. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day, and no one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. What, is, what, 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 a, what a miracle. What a thing that God was trying to teach his people. They had been slaves in Egypt, and he's taking them to this land of Canaan. And he's putting this principle into their rhythm of their life into their journey and the principle is this guys every seven days understand I'm going to provide for you but I'm not going to provide for you by what you do I'm going to provide for you by what I do and I'm going to make sure that it's preserved and so God was so serious about this and I want to just kind of go a little bit deeper why he was I believe he was in this because it is a commandment to God it is a commandment this is actually one of God's top ten this is like made God's top ten list of like what was a big deal to God. 
This, this was part of the Ten Commandments, this idea of the Sabbath day. Let's look at it. Exodus 20, verse 8. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. I, I, the imagery in that, the word keep is to kind of to take a hold of it. The word holy is simply means make it separate or different. So he said, make an effort to take that Sabbath day and you're going to have to fight to grab it, hold of it, and separate it from the rest of the days of your week. He says, six days you shall labor and do your, all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work, watch this, neither you nor your son nor your male or female servants nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, so this is one of God's big deals. This is, this, is, this is such a big deal to God, this idea of the Sabbath day. That there would be this day that we would separate from all the other days and, and, and we would make it holy. And this is part of the Ten Commandments. And, uh, and, and, and today we're not saved under grace by obeying the Ten Commandments. So this is not some legalistic principle that you have to apply in some rigid way. But what what but but I just got a question. Do you think there are blessings from obeying the Ten Commandments? From obeying? Do you think there are consequences from not obeying Ten Commandments? What about this? Number one, no other gods before him. You think that's still a good one to have? Yeah, right? No idols before God. That's a good one. Don't take his name in vain. Number three, that's a good one to keep. Honor your parents. That's a good one. By the way, the only two, two of the commandments that'll kill that you were death if you didn't do them was the Sabbath and honoring your parents. So you tell your kids they didn't listen; they'd be dead already if they're in the Old Testament. <laughs> Number six, don't lie. Number seven, don't steal. Pretty good to keep. Number eight, don't commit adultery. Number nine, don't murder. Number ten, do not covet. Man, all those, and I just think commandment number four is the missing commandment in our lives many times. This is part of God. This, I just wanted to communicate. It's a big deal to God. And, I, and I'm, I'm communicating. I'm right in the middle of this with you. This is not, I'm not communicating from some place of great strength and wisdom other than God's wisdom because this is, this is a reminder to me as well that it's a big deal to God because I believe that our culture is experiencing the consequences of a Sabbath-less life. I believe the stress in our life is simply the consequences of us taking one of the biggest principles that God ever gave us. And, and I believe it's a gift. What, what's there not to love about a God that tells us take a day off? Seriously. What's there not to love about a God like that? If you, you remember what it was like as a kid whenever you had a snow day? And he's like, I mean... The best day on planet Earth, right? You know, whenever you like, I'm going back to bed. I'm going to go, hang, I'm going to go hang out. I'm going to go. Or whenever you go to work, have you ever been to work? And they're like, you know what? We're just going to take the day off today. And you just want to hug everybody, right? You're just like, I just love you, you know, right now. What's there not to love about a God that says, you know what? I don't just love what you do. I love you. I love who you are. And, and, and I want you to work hard, but I also want you to understand you're not just what you do. You're so much more than what you do. I'm interested in not just what you're doing. I'm interested in what you're becoming. So take a day off and rest with me. So the Sabbath is also, here's the next thing. The Sabbath is a witness. The Sabbath is a witness. 
It's a witness telling about who God is to our world. It says, Exodus 31, observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day, it's a big deal to God. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from the people. For in six days work is to be done. But on the seventh day, it is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath. Celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. It was, it was as if this. It was as if this would be something that would show the world how great God was. It would be this sign. It says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. That's messed up theologians for, for a long time. How does an omnipotent God get refreshed, right? The, the word simply with refresh, though, it, 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 the, it, it's made out of two words. I was studying this this week, and it actually simply means this. He took a breath. And if you think about every day of creation, it, what was God doing? He was speaking out. <sighs> let there be life. Let there be. Let there be. And then the, what's the last thing he did? He breathed the breath of life into man. And it's as if on the seventh day he said, <sighs> he took a breath in. And that's what he wants us to do as well. And what I love about this is this is something that's showing the world who God is. When we, when we trust God enough to put down our work for a day, then, then we can show the world simply this, that our God, is, our God can do more with six days and his blessing on our life than we can do with seven days with our own work. In our own striving. This is not some excuse to, for us not to, not, not to achieve, not to do something great, not to give our all. It's absolutely the opposite. And, and, and when we start getting this principle, man, it's something that shows the world. Um, 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 it's a testimony to our God. And I, I want to show you a, a particular uh, example of this today. And, and you're going to probably be mad at me here in a second, but here you go. Is that not beautiful right there? <laughs> Truett Cathy, whenever he founded Chick-fil-A, he had an idea. He said, you know what, we're going we're, we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna be the original chicken sandwich. We're going to do the best that we can do in our industry. But, but you know what, we're going to take a day of Sabbath rest for God. And we're going, we're going to put God first in our business. And, and people looked at him and called him crazy. People said that you can never build a business like that. You're never going to be successful like that. You're never going to be able to make it like that. But guys, I think it worked out pretty good for him. Here's what he said. I want to be remembered as a person who lived by his principles. And no pressure could knock me off of it. Church... When we live by the principles of God, it causes other people that they may or may not believe in our God at all, but they'll say, man, what? there's something different about those people. There's something different about, about that company. There's something different about this, this group of people because of what they're doing. And, and they don't come off of it. I heard, heard last night someone was telling me this, that man, the new Atlanta Falcons stadium has, uh, Chick-fil-A is in the stadium. Only one problem. All the games are on Sunday. <laughs> you know what? You could say, oh, how much, more, how much money would they make if they were open? You know, all those people, look at the opportunity they're missing out on. 
And I say, you're right. But you know what? In God's economy, you're wrong. In natural, if it's just up to me, yeah, you're right. But in God's economy, you're wrong. Because six days with God's blessing is better than seven days with your blessing. It's the same deal. In the, that's the principle of the tithe. That, that 90% with God's blessing is better than 100% with your blessing. And that's why we give 10% to God as a tithe. Because we're, it's the same principle. We're saying, God, I recognize that my intellect, my skill, my hands, my head did not provide the money that's in my bank account right now. God, it's you, and I give it to you. So I just, I just want to get really, um, I, I want to w- w- walk one more thing. I thought this was so cool. It's a declaration of freedom, a declaration of freedom. I want to share this scripture that I saw this week. This was so cool. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of it there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to do what? <laughs> I thought that was so interesting. You've been, you used to be slaves, so here's what I want you to do. Take a day off. What I've learned is that this, slaves don't have a day off. Slaves don't get to choose to take a day off. And he says, guys, for four, you, were, you have been slaves for years and years and years. And I want you to know you're free now. And you don't know how you're free? I want you to take that day of rest unto me. And I want you to trust me that my identity does not come from how many bricks that I laid and how much straw I put down for the Egyptians. But my identity is in the God that set me free and on the light that he's now established my life. Guys, if we can't take a day off, we're slaves. And I'm talking to myself right now. If we, can't take our, if we can't take a day and give it to God, we are slaves. We're slaves to our culture, or we're slaves to a company, or we're slaves to the perception of others, or we're slaves to comparing ourselves. I don't, what, maybe a, to a different master. But what God's saying, hey, take a Sabbath day where you just say, okay, God, I'm just before you. This is me. This is my family. I'm going to take a day. And, our, and I, can we do this together? Because I believe it's the answer to some of the stress in our lives. So how do we do this? I just want to get super practical. We, we, before we're done uh, today, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish this quickly today, this morning. But I hope you're enjoying this. this. This is a principle that really has the power to change everything in our lives, in our families, and I believe the stress in our lives. Um, that we have three tanks to fill in our lives. We have a, a spiritual, we have a, a body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. So I, I want to talk about how we do this in our in our. Um, in our everyday lives. So first of all, I will rest my body. On, the, on my Sabbath day, and I, I just want to get super practical a, a little bit, what this looks like. This doesn't have to be a certain day for you. Like uh, maybe today, um, it, it, maybe, maybe Sunday is your Sabbath, and that's probably the truth for most of us in this room. Um, you're not working today. It's a, it's a day you have off. Uh, I, I challenge you, on your Sabbath day, don't just fill it full of more work. Don't fill it with extra projects. Uh, don't, don't just fill it. Rest your body right now. Take a nap. Go for a walk. <laughs> uh, do something today that, 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 that is restful to you. And, and enjoy yourself. Rest your body. So how do we do this? Um, uh, Psalm 127, I love this. It says, indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And I got to thinking, you know what? If God, why does God never sleep? And I think one of the reasons God never sleeps is so that we can. (laughs) 
And a lot of us, we're not sleeping good. We're not getting seven, eight hours of sleep. Why? Because we're trying to be the captain of the universe. We're trying to keep everything held together. And God says, hey, just take a day, get some rest, understand, I got it. I got this. Like your world's not going to fall apart if you just take a day. You need this. And here's the second thing. I will replenish my soul. This is our, this is our emotional well-being, our soul. The soul part of us on your Sabbath day. Replenish your soul. Talk about how we do that. Replenish it with quietness. Spend some time on your Sabbath day. My Sabbath day is, is uh, not on Sunday. Um, because Sunday is a work day for me. And uh, Lionel Richie was not a pastor because there's nothing easy like Sunday morning for a pastor. <laughs> My Sabbath day for years was Monday, and now lately it's Friday. And so it's, not a, it's, it's what works. The, the Sabbath is not something you're supposed to be a servant to. The, the, the Sabbath wasn't, you're, you're not given for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was given for you. So this is something that's supposed to serve your life. So, so for me right now, it's Friday, and and I go to church on Friday, so I, I, I sit, I, I meditate on the Word, I, listen, I have, um, I have a, a few churches that I, that I keep up with, and I'll, I'll just put, put my laptop out and get my headphones in, and I'll go to church. I'll listen to the worship service, I'll sing, I'll, I'll, I'll worship, I'll cry, I'll pray, I'll listen to, and I, I get fed. I just want to get fed in my life. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. And I'll tell you the truth, I think a lot of the times in my life whenever I question if God is even there or not, it's because I'm not being still. You want to know if God's in your life? Start observing the Sabbath. Be still for a day and you watch it. Be still for a day and say, you know what? I've been striving and I'm going to stop and I'm going to give this day to God, to my family. I'm going to enjoy this day. I'm going to be still. And you watch and you realize God's hands really is on your life. Here's the second thing, with enjoyment. Man, this idea of enjoying your life and enjoying the Sabbath, man, this is what God is all about. I mean, this is exciting, everybody, to, to enjoy our Sabbath day. What I've learned is stress, if you, if you take it backwards, it spells desserts. <laughs> so that has nothing to do with anything, but I just thought I'd bless you this morning. <laughs> Proverbs 17 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And man, smile on your Sabbath day. Laugh on your Sabbath Do something you enjoy. If you're an outdoor person, go for a hike. If you're somebody you like to, do something that you enjoy. Like enjoy, this is not some legalistic, like you got to be in a corner with your Bible memorizing the book of Leviticus, you know, on your Sabbath day. No, do something you enjoy. Get out with your family. Enjoy your day. And, and, uh, and, and enjoy, enjoy your life. And, and I want to just say this, is that this is different for every season of our lives too. Because there are some seasons that are just crazy. I mean, it's just reality. If you're starting a business right now, you're in a crazy season. If, you're, if, you're in, if you want to be a doctor, you've got, you got years of residency, it's, that's going to be a crazy season. If, if you've if you got young kids right now at home, it's, you're in a crazy season. But, but I, I, I'll say this. It, let's pray God help us in the middle of the season I'm in right now. What does this look like for me? And don't just use your season as an excuse to say, well, I can't do that. No, I think God gave this to us for a reason. And the third way we refresh ourselves and our spirit is with people. We need people. In the, none of us are too busy. Well, I, I, 
Sometimes we are too busy for, for, the, for the right relationships in our life for people. And if I say, if you're too busy for people or for a small group of people to do life with, you are just too busy. You're putting too much stuff in your life that doesn't matter because people is what God uses to refresh our lives and our spirits. Gang, some of the, some of the, some of the most encouraging things in my life are people that speak into me and speak encouragement. And a lot of you are sitting in this room right now and you don't know the words that you've spoken over my life whenever I was at a down season, how it's brought joy and blessing into me. And the same with the, we need each other. We need people to speak into our life. That's why Hebrews says we need to spur one another on to love and good deeds and don't give up on meeting together. And why would he say that? Because there's seasons of our life it's easy to give up on that. Like it doesn't seem like it's that, that important. But let your Sabbath be full of the people of God. And I commend you. Thank you. Commend you. Thank you for coming to church this morning and, and getting around people. And don't just run out of here. Spend some time. Shake some hands. Get to know some people. Plan, get to talk about, hey, what small group are you going to be in this fall? Get, get connected. Make an effort to get connected with some people because we need this in our lives. It says, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Here's the third thing. I will refocus my spirit. I will refocus my spirit. So we have body. We're going to rest. We have some soul things. We're going to get around people. We're going to enjoy some things. We're going to have a good time. Then we're going to refocus my spirit. And I just want to read this verse over you as the band comes up. Because this is my prayer for today. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to read it over your life. Because I, I know a lot of us, we're stressed to the max right now. I just want you to know God wants to refresh you this morning. God wants to bring the refreshing wind of his spirit to come and to give you some fresh life. Like a breath of fresh air this morning. So as they start playing, I just invite you to close your eyes. I just want to read this over you. Psalm chapter 40 verse 28 through 31. It says, have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases in strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we need your help with this area of our life, with stress, with anxiety, with just the busyness of our life. Lord, we come before you this morning and to say we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for being a God that doesn't just love what we produce, God, but you love what we're becoming. Lord, you want us to have lives of hope, of peace, of godliness, Lord. So we just come before you today saying, would you strengthen us, God? Would you give us help? Would you help us to make some countercultural decisions in our lives? Save some families and some marriages and some relationships and some careers, God. 
Would you do what only you can do in this place in Jesus' name? If you're here today.